Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey guys, welcome back to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I've got a great interview for you with my friend Mitchell Callahan. Mitchell has always loved to travel, and so when he launched SoCal, a full-service digital agency with his old college buddy, he didn't want work to get in the way of that. So today, SoCal's Team of Seven is fully remote and spread all across the globe. Our talk covers everything from positioning to the software Mitchell uses to run his agency to how he builds a network while traveling. But where we really dug in was how SoCal finds new clients. Like a lot of agencies, SoCal got their first client through a friend. And they grew from there by word of mouth, but as they grew, they really wanted something more predictable than relying on referrals. After trying nearly everything, Mitchell stumbled across the power of building strong partnerships in your industry, and today he shares with us how you can leverage those partnerships to get more clients. So without further ado, here's Mitchell. So why don't we jump into it, Mitchell? First, just wanted to say thanks for joining me. Thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Uh, I'm I'm happy to be here, Andy. Why don't you start by by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, some of your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Mitchell. Uh, I'm the CEO and I'm a founder at SoCal. Uh, we mostly do web development uh, for for agencies. I like to consider ourselves kind of like uh, your webmaster. And uh, yeah, I, I grew up in uh, in Canada, up in the far north, um, a really cold place. So you know, I, I've always spent a little bit of time on the computer. It was kind of a just just the way we did things the past time. Mm-hmm. So my, my whole life and my whole business has kind of morphed. And, uh, yeah, I just live on the Internet. <laughs> was it Yellowknife? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like growing up in such a remote place? I mean, it was awesome because when you're, when you're a kid, you don't really know the difference. Like, you don't have anything to compare it to. So uh, it is, it's just kind of that's what life is. So growing up, I mean, now when I look back, it, it was it was really good in that it was a friendly community. Uh, I had lots of wilderness available to me, so it was really clean. And uh, yeah, we had good education, and it was, it was good times. But uh, as as we've discussed, you know, off the record uh, about things like weather and, and places to live, you know, eventually you get older and, and you can make your own choices. So right. I, I like to go to places uh, bigger and warmer. For people that don't know, Yellowknife it is in the Canadian Arctic, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. About as far up there as I think you can get. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you're growing up in Yellowknife. You have internet, computers, everything's coming in. So was that, how did you first get involved in technology and just the internet? I think a lot of us are probably going to be able to relate with one another. But yeah, I just, my mom, she got me a computer, got me an internet connection. And then you start playing around right away. You just want to see how things work. And uh, start building websites, and uh, so yeah, from a young age, I was I was building websites, and uh, it didn't take long until uh, they got noticed. I was either building them for people at my school, my teachers, and then eventually, uh, yeah, one of them was shown on TV, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. So uh, <laughs> you just you just learn it and uh, stay with it. When did you decide that this was something you wanted to do professionally? I was kind of like the freedom thing. It was like I really wanted to to travel more. So I really liked I was working in the financial industry. And I mean, I liked that industry a lot, but uh, I, I needed more freedom to travel. And uh, so I said, you know, if we're going to do that, we got to we got to get on the Internet. And uh, so that's what we did. Me and my business partner, we we started our, our own company. And 
here we are today. What year was that that you guys launched SoCal? That was in 2011. Okay. And uh, how did you meet your business partner? Uh, we went to university together. Uh, okay. So yeah, we lived on the same floor. We partied a lot. And uh, yeah, we just became really good friends. So while we were employees and doing our own respective things, we always stayed in touch. And uh, we said, you know what? Like, if there's, if there's anyone I could trust to, to start a business with together, it was, mm-hmm. it was each other. And it's been awesome ever since. Nice. Yeah, because I know some people will try to force the finding the co-founder, finding someone to do a, a thing with. But I think your approach makes a lot more sense is you want to have someone that you trust. You want to have someone that you know you've spent time with. You know what it's like when things get tough. You'll be able to work through it. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's like it's like a marriage. Starting a business with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you have a business license and you have a corporation, but it's the same as a marriage. You're, so you you got to be able to know each other. You, know, you should know each other very well. Yeah. And so when did you graduate from college, university? Oh, man, that was in 2007. You guys started SoCal in 2011? That's right, yeah. And so what you said you worked a little bit in finance. Well, what were you doing in those four years in between? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time traveling. I had traveled and lived in uh, South Korea and India uh, for a whole difference of reasons. But, uh, yeah, and I, and, I, and I was working in the financial industry. So we specialized okay. in stocks and options trading, and I really got to learn. Uh, and it, it was cool because it was a very forward-thinking uh, financial company, so almost everything we did was online, uh, and that, that really got me into the space even more because I was like, okay, how are you guys building this? How does it all work? And uh, it was a good jump off uh, to start SoCal and do what we're doing now. Right. And so, yeah, from going from, from finance into launching SoCal, and I guess just as a, an aside to make sure the listeners know it's, S-A-U-C-A-L dot com. Oh, I guess, how did you get your, your first client? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, we were lucky in that regard. Um, the, our first client was the first person I could think of. His name's Travis. He, he runs a whole bunch of businesses. And uh, we went to high school together. And uh, I just said, hey, you know, I'm starting my own company. This is what we do. And he said, oh, perfect. I just, you know, I had this new company. It was called Fuel Flow. And we need a website. So, we worked on that project together, and, and it worked out. And then it just kind of snowballs, and then you get more referrals, and then you, mm-hmm. you have a portfolio that you can show, and you go from there. Mm-hmm. I was just really lucky on that one. It was, it was, it was a friend, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's how a lot of things start out is that you, have, you need to get that, that first one, and then, like you said, it can almost snowball from there. Yeah, absolutely. If you're to commoditize your service, you guys build and design websites. I know there's more to it than that. So how would you describe the services you offer your clients? Yeah, you know, websites and, and designing for the web is an art in itself. So it's not always a, a commodity uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah, so really we we think we differentiate ourselves in a lot of ways. Like um, we really strive for like great customer service. So like we're dealing with some companies that don't understand technology that well. So they always need to know that we're there and we've got their back. So we always pride ourselves on being easy to get a hold of. We really like to focus on, you know, an ROI and sales. So we really want to make sure that your website is actually working for you. Um, it's either going to help you bring in more customers or you're, you're going to save a lot of money because you've improved your process or automated it. Can you just touch briefly on what the main benefits are of having a distributed team? Yeah, so you really get the the best talent available to you. Um, mm-hmm. When the whole world is, is your hiring grounds, uh, you can find some awesome people to, to work for you, and you've and you got a lot of diversity there. You say you, you pride yourselves on customer service. 
How do you balance being fully remote and distributed while also being easy to get a hold of? Yeah, so you, so you really got to leverage technology. And uh, for a lot of people these days, that's pretty easy. So it could be, you know, sending us an email, uh, sending us a message on Skype, uh, sending us a text. Um, and, and, you know, we always have a phone, so you, you could always call us there, too. And, of course, we, we our phone is, we, we can access at any time through our laptops, and, mm-hmm. and it's always on. So as, as, as many lines of communications as, as we can give them, we, we usually do. But, again, you, you got to keep it simple. So we just kind of, depending on the customer, we'll, we'll give them their preferred method. How big is your team right now? There's seven of us, but it okay. kind of grows up and down depending on what we need. So we do have uh, preferred businesses for specific services if we need to. Okay. And where are they based? Just all over the place? Like, um, Could you give a few examples of just where everyone is? Yeah. Um, we're, our, our major headquarters would definitely be Canada. We're, we're spread out here in Argentina. Uh, Dom, my business partner, is actually in Europe right now. He's in Italy. We also have uh, some members in Indonesia, so those those would be the big ones. Are most of your clients typically in Canada, or are they also all over? They're all over. I mean, early on, we had a really local focus with our business, but then we realized it wasn't necessary, and that would that wouldn't always target the right type of customer because you know since we do want to live in the virtual world, and the reason we started this was to have more time to travel, it didn't make sense to always uh, go for customers that needed a lot of face to face. So, um, you said it wouldn't get us the right type of customer. Who, who is the right mm-hmm. type of customer for you guys? Yeah, so this has been interesting, uh, but it, it's, it's generally someone who really like, is comfortable uh, to do, not, not have to see us in person so much. Um, and so it's often, you know, our ideal customer, we, we kind of have three. Uh, we have these CEO types who, you know, really need help with their businesses, or we have uh, someone who's in charge of marketing, and they always come to us for their web help. But uh, our third one that I've, I've really noticed and has been really great, um, I, I didn't think this would be a good customer base for us, but it, it's been awesome, is, is the technical element. So a lot of new companies now, they will have a pretty good uh, web guy on staff, but he simply doesn't have the capacity, so he comes to us. And uh, th- those ones have been really awesome. I thought because we were both be technology guys, maybe there'd be some some conflicts. But uh, in fact, it's the total opposite. We we speak each other's languages, and we can get stuff done really fast. So for those clients, you'd almost come in and kind of supplement their their current technical team. They're just starting out. They're just building. They have someone internally that can do the tech stuff, but they need help. Exactly, and or okay. or they need highly specialized. Uh, Assistance. So, for example, like mm-hmm. we, we, we do a lot of work on WordPress. So a lot of companies that, you know, more and more companies especially have software built on top of WordPress. So they need help there. They would come to us. How did you stumble upon that? How did you, what made you realize like, oh, okay, this actually can work? Yeah, it was, I was WooCommerce. So we, we do development on WooCommerce uh, for anyone who needs an online store. And I remember back in the day when we were hiring developers, I looked at all these these places to find them, one being like the affiliated woodworkers. And then it, the, the switch just flipped. I was like, why am I always uh, looking for talent? Um, I should use these sites so people can find me. And um, and so we did. Yeah. So that we, we listed ourselves as experts, and uh, we wanted to make sure that we you know, really delivered a high quality of service. Uh, so people would, you know, continually use WooCommerce and they would like us. And so that, that angle, um, has really allowed us to focus on the technical side because people are already, they've already built something with WooCommerce, for example. So they just need help in, in tweaking it. 
and yeah, and so then we and then we we thought, how can we apply the same rule to other other pieces of software that we use in our business? And so mm-hmm. uh, we go to other places like WP Engine, for example. That's where a lot of people host their WordPress websites, and so where we are a partner with them as well. And they and they often help us a lot with our hosting and and, and come in on on sales calls if we need them. And they're really there for us. And, and it, furthermore, they they have people who use WordPress, so they know that they need people like us to, you know, tweak it. Yes, you sort of stumbled across it when you said you were looking for workers and then said, hey, why don't, why don't I get listed here? Why don't I become the expert on these sites? Mm-hmm. What is that process actually like? How do you become, how do you get listed on some of these sites? Yeah, so every site's going to be a little bit different. Um, WooCommerce actually just changed theirs and now you have to pay a fee, which I'm, I'm totally cool with. But when, when they have a good vetting process, uh, I, I actually like that better. So often they will look at examples of your work. Um, they, they might even make you do tests, um, but often it's just, you know, you, you hop on a call, make sure you guys are a good fit and, uh, you know, you're, you're actually skilled enough to, to say you could, you could be a partner because I mean, like we talked about this earlier about business, business part, choosing the right business partner. I mean, when mm-hmm. you're choosing, you know, on this level between, between vendors, I mean, it's the same thing. You don't want to have a relationship if it's, if it's not healthy and you know, you guys are, are perfect for the job. Before you you started pursuing the partnership seriously, what what else did you try to promote yourselves? Because I know you started with um, referrals, but uh, at a certain point, it seems like most agencies need to grow beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you, we've tried everything. We did a lot of local SEO, which helped. Um, like you could do some. We did some PR, and and PR is funny. Like you can get in newspapers and get noticed, and it feels cool, but it's really hard to measure its success. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're dealing with one or we're working with one customer now. And I'm, you know, I'm always trying to figure out the metrics and I, I'm pretty sure that's how they found us. Like it was through a, a newspaper article. And uh, I realized, okay, it, it's tough to measure, but you know, it's, it's not as consistent. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, there are other methods, but you know, you, you, yeah. And when you're dealing with, when someone finds you on WP Engine or WooCommerce, to measure that, is it usually they'll tell you, hey, I saw you're listed here or, do those partners kind of facilitate the communication? How does that work? Yeah, so we'll have, of course, tracking coming in on the website, mm-hmm. so we'll know if the referral came from them. But then it's also the medium they use. So if they hit us up on our contact form, um, we'll we'll know like that's that's where they came from. But it's often mentioned too. Like we'll just say, hey, where did you find us? And or we'll know kind of based on what kind of work they need to have done because it'll be very relevant to where they came from. I'm sure you still get a lot of referrals, but are most of your new clients that don't already know someone that's, that you've done work for, are they, is it primarily being driven by these partnerships? Yeah, I would say it's a big portion. It's definitely has been a big portion for the past couple months now. So we're focusing more efforts here to ramp that up. And, and truthfully, I, I like it as my preferred method now because, uh, it, 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 the sales cycle is a lot shorter um, because mm-hmm. people have already invested in these products. You don't have to sell them on the the need for a lot of this. Yeah, and you almost have the the partner themselves kind of vouching for you in a sense, especially if they have the vetting process. They know if someone's using WP Engine, they've been with them for a while, they trust them. You know, WP Engine saying, hey, the guys over at SoCal, they know what they're doing. Why don't you check them out? I'm sure that helps give you guys some authority as well. Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, I can think when I'm looking for information, if I trust someone and they refer me to someone, I'm guessing they're going to be you know, on the same level of quality. And that helps a lot. It saves a lot of time searching and, and, and trying to find that perfect fit because that can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, because that's something that a lot of more freelancers, but a lot of people don't realize is that it's not all about the money. It's not all about the cost. Is that finding someone to work with a failed project obviously costs money, but it's a huge amount of time. And, and that's time that a lot of the businesses that you're working with don't have. And so knowing that someone understands your technology, understands what you're doing, can be a, a huge kind of risk relief for the client. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And so you said you guys were, it's been growing for the past several months and you want to really ramp it up. What are your plans to ramp it up? Yeah, so I've just, I'm, I'm, I'm really putting myself in the seat of the customer. So I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, how are they going to look for people who do what we do? And so I search the internet and I find sites that are relevant and then I reach out to them and, and then we experiment. So we usually uh, do a couple test projects and, and keep going. So we do, we do have other partners sites. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to mention them all yet, but that's fine. Yeah, we are, we are working on some and they've been really good for us. Nice. And then I also saw on your new site, which looks really good, by the way, um, you're offering free private webinars to prospective clients. Mm-hmm. How do you see that fitting into your overall sales process? Yeah, so generally, depending on the size of the project, it'll determine our sales process. But uh, we'll always give an introductory call. And that's for us just to really learn about you um, and mostly your business, your business processes, and see if we could actually help out. Um, for, for smaller companies, then we could pretty much just jump into doing some, some work. But for bigger companies, then we, we usually go into a brainstorming session and really figure out a, an action plan in your strategy. Okay, and then for you, for your typical engagements now, when you when you figure out the action plan, when you when you've gotten on that, how what is it like for somebody to work with you? You've you've talked to them, you had the initial call, you have a general action plan. What happens next? How do you typically structure your engagements? Um, yeah, so in that case, if the I, the action plan is really thorough and that's super mm-hmm. important um, because that's where we really identify. Okay, who are your key stakeholders? Uh, what are your objectives? Uh, you know, of to in order to uh, you know talk to those stakeholders and achieve those objectives, like what are the best things that we can do for your website? So we really do figure out like what's the best plan of action and how are we going to make sure this works for you and gets a good ROI. Um, but uh, after that part's done, then I mean it, we we definitely utilize technology. But uh, I don't know if you want me to explain our whole process. But yeah, if you you know if you could go a little further, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, well, we we definitely want to stay in communication with them, so we open up a communication channel. It's either going to be uh, via email or a Skype chat or a Slack chat, and uh, we stay continually in touch, updating them along the way. So small tasks, um, we'll be talking to them. Uh, they'll be in there testing them out with us. Uh, bigger ones, we will more communicate them, communicate them on fixed schedules. So giving them mm-hmm. uh, timelines, uh, milestone updates, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so when you when you bill your clients, is it typically hourly? Is it by project? Is it weekly? How do you usually structure your billing? Yeah, so it's it varies on the on the customer. Um, generally, we'll have fixed project pricing, and then if there's anything outside of that scope. Uh, we will do, we'll scope them kind of on a time basis, but we'll give you like a, a fixed price. This is what it's going to take to get it done. Um, and then mm-hmm. and for smaller stuff, we can just do hourly arrangements if needed. Mm-hmm. And so for the, when you do fixed price, how do you internally ensure 
that you guys have an ROI on it, that you're you're not spending too much time on a different project than than you had budgeted. You got to track uh, everything. So we we know generally what it takes for us to do a lot of things, and and so now when we say okay, we scope the project, we know what we need. Uh, we do Dom, our project manager, would be great to talk on this. Uh, but mm-hmm. we do a PERT analysis, so we figure out what's the best case scenario, uh, worst case scenario, and the ideal one. And uh, so we've gotten those numbers down pretty good. And 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 then you want to make sure you can stay on top of those numbers. So you you know like something like Hubstaff, for example, which we use and keeps track of our employees' time. Uh, that integrates into our project management system, and then we have like an overarching view. Okay, this is how much time we spent. This was the budget, and and we get warnings and alerts when we know we're getting close to it. So we we really just want to f- figure out the numbers and then ad- adhere to them. Yeah, because that's the thing is a lot of I've talked to a lot of agencies, and you'll see that um, if they bill by project, a lot of times they won't be as concerned with tracking time on projects internally, and they'll kind of just guess. They'll say, oh, well, it took about this long, so we probably made money. That's, we, we have a buffer in there. We're fine. But uh, I feel like with your approach is that, like, no, you kind of you want to be systematic about that. You want to make sure you know if your bids are too high, too low, or, or where you can work with things on there. And so it's having that detailed project tracking, I can I can see the clear advantage of that. It's, it's absolutely essential. I mean, if these are your business's numbers. You need to know your margins, and you need to know where you can make improvements. I think just shooting in the dark is it's insane. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you said it and not me. <laughs> but no, I agree with that. Um, and so you said you guys, you're around seven people right now, but you, you kind of go up and down depending on the the workload and the, and the pipeline, all of that. What challenges did you face in getting your agency to that point? Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, finding the right people. That's always been really difficult. But I guess it's, you know, once you originally start, you have the dream, but then you realize there's a whole lot of other things you got to deal with, like running the business itself. So, um, you know, do your, is your marketing strategy working? Do you have a good sales team? Like, or, or like, or at least is your sales process refined? Is it good? Um, your financials, are you managing your cash flow? So, you know, it's balancing the business on, on one side and then, you know, uh, making sure you're staying, you know, relevant and committed to your, your product and, and staying up to best practices. So it's always a balance of working on yourself and then working on the, you know, the business and growing it. Yeah. There's always challenges. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Because I know obviously finance trading, all of that doesn't directly apply to, managing your own internal books and managing all that, but there's some overlap. And so do you think having the finance background helped you approach some of those problems from a more mature kind of business standpoint? Yeah. I mean, you always, yeah, it's it's always, if you're, especially if you're a business owner, you want to understand uh, other businesses and other investments and you, you have to have some accounting knowledge, legal knowledge. Uh, so, you know, cause you might invest and, and, and your business might make a turn and do something completely different in the future. So you want to be professional and understand many different realms. Probably should have asked this earlier, but what is your personal role in SoCal? Yeah, so at this point, yeah, for sure. Um, I do a lot of the business development. I'd say that's right. a hat I wear for sure. And then just you know, I, I do some of the HR, so I'll help with hiring. So when when new people come on, I, I interview them and get to know them. But I would say a lot of my, my tasks right now, business development, uh, a little bit of HR, and then, you know, actually working on the business itself. So there's times of the day I got to chat with our, our lawyer, uh, our bookkeeper, our accountant. 
We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but when we come back, Mitchell's going to share his counterintuitive strategy for improving his business. So don't go anywhere because we're going to be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Mitchell. I know right now you're in, you're in Toronto. Are, have you kind of temporarily planted roots here or are you still traveling a good amount? Oh, man, I, I, I'm always traveling. I mean, <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's why we did this. And uh, it's funny because you, you have to travel because that's where it's going to show a lot of the opportunities or the weaknesses of your business. So I remember uh, last summer I was in Italy for a good bit and in and, and Europe. And that's when I saw, okay, you know, a lot of these processes are flawed. We need to fix these up. And uh, Hubstaff, I remember, I remember this night actually. And then we, I was like, this isn't working. And so I just, boom, I ran over to Hubstaff. I signed up right away. I was like, I need to stay on top of this stuff. And uh, so, yeah, so you got to travel because that's going to show you things that you wouldn't see otherwise. But uh, as for trips, I'm going to San Diego coming up. I'll be in Barcelona for a while. And uh, can I go to Greece? Yeah. You almost answered my follow-up question in the sense it's like, how do you balance all that? Because I was going to say you must have your processes in place and you have to be finely tuned to allow you to travel, especially with your roles, but also just for your team in general to be fully remote. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like what you said about it. it you almost have to because it forces you to, to see the flaws in your processes because if they don't work, you'll know pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys also have another product. You have a Mojito, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So Mojito was, uh, so we, we had a lot of people approaching us and they, they needed lower cost entry level websites and we were doing mostly custom work. Um, so we said, well, we just needed an easy way to uh, accommodate these people. So it's just like our do it yourself, uh, website builder. It's all built on WordPress, of course. And uh, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a good alternative for people who want to get their hands dirty a little bit, but they just need an entry level a product to the to the web world so yeah, and it allows us it's kind of our playground too we get to play around with the inner workings of wordpress a lot on there yeah and, that, and so is that something you guys still focus a lot on or how does it fit in right now yeah i don't see it as two separate things i mean it's part of socal like it's really just right. our, our our one of our product offerings and so whenever someone comes to us we really analyze our needs and you know sometimes that's just one of the options so we just say hey go with this mm-hmm. so a lot of times it'll be the People will come to you, they'll have a need, you know you're not a right fit, primarily because of budget, or they just don't need something that that warrants like a whole custom project. And so you'll you'll send them over to Mojito? Yeah, or we generally just help them get set up on there. So for a low cost mm-hmm. we'll we'll get you up on there and give you advice on, you know, how to optimize your website. 
and uh, get them launched. And then generally those guys are pretty happy with just, you know, having their website up. Will they find Mojito without going through you, or is it really kind of a wing of your, your consulting? Do they usually, do you point them there, I guess, or do they ever head straight to Mojito? We usually point them there. I mean, we haven't, uh, uh, we, we haven't put enough time to focus on it as a product itself. Mm-hmm. And so this, is, Mojito is a good example of us, like, you know, being an agency and then starting to build your own products and, you know, in order for it to be successful, it has to be something that you use all the time. It can't just be something on the side, else it will never get the attention it deserves. Um, so I guess it all, I guess I am kind of contradicting myself a bit. So we, but we do mostly refer people there, but so, and, and not a lot of people find it on its own because we haven't invested in, in marketing it that way. Do you see that changing or is, is the kind of more bespoke consulting where you're going to be focusing most of your energy? Um, I think it, it should change a little bit and it will slightly, but the, the beauty of doing the bespoke stuff is we're always challenged uh, to do something bigger and better. And that's where we, we get a lot of enjoyment. Yeah. What have been the big challenges, the cool things that you've worked on that you've done that you're, you're really proud of? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, lots of stuff. I mean, we're, we're big Bitcoiners at SoCal. We've worked on mm-hmm. some awesome Bitcoin projects, um, you know, designing point of sale systems and, and even designing ATMs, but uh, really, yeah, yeah, we helped design an ATM, a Bitcoin ATM, which was really cool. So what was that like? Uh, it was fun, you know, because like I remember we we were like, okay, we got to design this ATM. It's got to be consistent with the the website. And so we just drove around and looked at all the ATMs we could see and how they were styled and how people interacted with them, and it was fun. Did you design all of it, or were there other people you were working with? Or? Yeah, we had to work with uh, other vendors. So there's the right, ATM okay. manufacturer, and so we work closely with them because uh, they give us uh, mock-ups that we could use to design, and then there's the printer, of course. And so it was it was a good collaborative effort. You were saying that you guys you have, you're in Argentina, you have one of the other guys is in Europe, in Indonesia, all over the place, day to day. Are you communicating on, on Slack? Are, are you guys checking on Skype? Kind of what is your work process like to make sure everyone knows about the new projects that are coming in and knows what they should be doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Some of the tips that I would give people right away, um, and so we do use Slack. Slack has been awesome for us. Um, a couple tips for having a distributed team is you always have to have a fixed time during the day that you meet up, or at least this is what we do, mm-hmm. uh, because when you have overlap on projects, you need communication. So we always have a fixed time in the morning that no matter where you are, we meet up. Well, it'd be my morning, I guess, but night for uh, Dwee over in Indonesia. So we always have that fixed time. Uh, we have weekly meetings so that we go over what's, what the objectives are for the week and what we need to accomplish. Uh, we actually record all of those, too. So that if, if someone wasn't able to make it, they can watch it and catch up uh, when, when they're working on their time. And uh, also make your information easily shareable. So mm-hmm. don't let information live in your inbox. You have to have uh, a place that everyone can go to uh, to get information on a project that's always there and always available just in case, you know, you're not. Yeah, what do you guys use for that place? Where do you put your information? Yeah, we use a project management system called Breeze, which uh, okay. it hooks nicely into HubStack, which is great. And yeah, we, we keep track of everything. So, you know, all the previous tasks, all the resources you need, so anyone can really hop on and, and see the history of the project. Yeah, because that's something that I know for us at least, and me to some kind of my personal life, is that 
it's great to not have be 10 15 years ago everything was paper even even somewhat recently and now that everything's moving digital especially when you have remote teams you have to be digital you do accumulate a ton of digital just stuff this clutter and so having a way to to put it in the system so that you can easily access it i think that's huge uh, yeah and it's it's necessary I haven't used Breeze before, and so could you describe just what the process is like for getting your information in there? Yeah, it's, it, if people are familiar with uh, Basecamp or, or Trello, it's kind of mm-hmm. like a marriage between the two. So we have a very like a Kanban system. So we have multiple lists, and they're kind of like sticky cards, and so we keep track of all the tasks, uh, always in columns of to do, doing, uh, or proposed and done. Uh, we have resources columns where we keep uh, you know actual PDFs or Google Docs. Of things that people need. I guess that's it. It's kind of a, a marriage yeah. of those two. Yeah, it's great. How did you first stumble across that? The, the process in general, was it something, did it come out of a need or, or did you from the start just know you needed that? Yeah, it was, we, we hired a project manager on our team and when then we realized, again, this was when I was traveling. It was the time I signed up for hub staff. I was like, man, this is, this isn't going to work. Like too much information's in my head. And uh, mm-hmm. so we introduced this new system. We had outside help, of course. And, and that, that's very important. I know that one of our biggest successes this year is, and last year was just asking for help when you need it and finding a, an expert on certain things. And he really refined our project management system and put us in a new new state of mind for how we think about storing data. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. you guys, I mean, Hubstaff is fully distributed. And I mean, yep. you guys got your stuff together. So I'm sure you guys have got some pretty good systems behind the scenes, too. We've been working that we've been revamping kind of everything because like you were saying is over time as you grow, as you have different needs, you see the weaknesses in, in different points. It's like we honest, we just um, started using Slack probably a month ago. Uh, before that, it was Skype, which was fine, but it's not you can't organize as well as you can with Slack. And it, uh, the information is not as persistent. It's just it's not as good as Slack for what we are using it for. And then, like, yeah, we've been doing the daily, quick, quick daily stand-ups. Um, we'll do, for marketing team at least, we'll do weekly sprints. Um, I'm sure we'll have a blog post kind of detailing that stuff a bit more. But, but like you said, it's all about having some process and then making sure you adjust it and, and you learn and, and that you see what works, what doesn't, and, and keep improving it. Because mm-hmm. right now we, we're a team of about, I think it's 17 I'm actually might be closer to 20 right now, remote employees. And so we split up the organizations, marketing, we have development support. And then, yeah, within that, you each kind of have your own little ecosystem, but you need to stay on top of it. So we've been, that's kind of why I asked this too, is just to hear how others are doing it. Cause uh, we always want to learn. We always want to improve on that, those areas. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's weird too because sometimes it's problems you don't know you have until someone mm-hmm. else from the outside points them out. How did you find that project manager? Yeah, so it was it was at the time we were traveling and I realized like, hey, like we can't always be, you know, on the keyboard and in front of the computer. And so we just yeah, when when in need, you shop around and generally if you've been proactive, you'll have a lot of contacts in your back pocket and then you can reach out to them. Uh, when you need mm-hmm. them. <laughs> so it was, it was someone kind of from within your network? Yeah, someone I've met or just before. Yeah, because okay. I'm always actively, like, you know, if we need a designer, I don't want to be reactive and trying to find it when we need them. I like to, you know, always meet designers and keep a list of them actually in our project management system, <laughs> and I can reference them if when I need them. 
is it just kind of by happenstance or when you travel different places do you try to go to meetups and you, or how do you build your kind of your personal network in that way yeah that's a great question we we definitely when we travel we go to meetups you want to be social i mean at least i do and mm-hmm. meet local people and then you just kind of learn how they they do things like when i was in italy i ended up working out of a couple of different web agencies or just like hey come on in for the day and so it was really great to collaborate with their teams and see how they do stuff and how we do stuff and and so for that, would you just straight up just send them an email? Would you did you meet them some other way, get an introduction, or how how did you go from showing up in Italy to working out of the agency for a few days? Yeah, it was a combination of LinkedIn was really good, so you can uh, search based on location and their their interests, and then uh, meetup groups are are also great, and then sometimes just a good Google search, you know, search for I, I search for someone like the location and then a specific interest. So in this case, it might mm-hmm. be Bitcoin or web development. And then, mm-hmm. and then I'll start reaching out. I'll send people emails. So you'll just send emails, say, hey, I'm going to be in town. I'd love to chat about this. Or yeah, Exactly. And usually okay. you're, you're really pumped to meet people with similar interests. So you, you not only do you talk business and learn, but you usually have a good friend for while you're there. And you can really help you explore. You can go, you can look at the guidebooks, you can look at what people say online, and, and now it's better than it used to be where you can find some really cool spots online, but you'll never experience a place without the input and guidance of a local. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So having having someone that not only can you, can you talk to about your own business interests and personal interests, but also can show you around their home, or is that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You're going to Barcelona soon? Mm-hmm. Beyond the travels, what is the future for for SoCal going forward? Where do you see things in the next year? Yeah, we've we've really spent a lot of time uh, on ourselves uh, this this little bit. So rebuilding our website and we re- revamping a lot of internal systems, which can be difficult. You know, it's like I know Hub staff. You guys have grown so much, and you guys can probably relate that you haven't had enough time to spend on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been, we've done a lot of that, which we're really looking forward to getting more uh, like ideal customers working on challenging products, and then more importantly, like we're we're business guys, so we we diversify, and we always like to see other other realms of the world where we can invest and spend spend mm-hmm. our time. But yeah, but we love our virtual world, and we know that that's here to stay <laughs> for sure. Right? Do you see your team getting much larger, or are you content with the size you guys are at? Um. It'll definitely go up. I mean, I think early on, a lot of business owners had this vision of just wanting to hire a whole bunch of people really quick. Um, and that doesn't really work because you really want to make sure your process is down pat. And then once it's proven and it works well, then you could scale up. So I don't have a vision to get really big, really fast. I think we'll, we'll scale up slowly, organically. Well, not slowly, but, um, as we need it. As it happens. It, yeah. Exactly. Make sure we're comfortable with it and it fits in our culture. I think, like, I think doing things too fast is just, never really works out you want you want to take your time and make sure things are of quality and, and, and right it seems like socal launched out of the way you kind of want your life to be you you don't you want it to grow you want it to grow but for the most part you want it to sustain the life that that you have now you want it to give you freedom while working on cool things yeah absolutely it's two things you know we know the web is a great place to invest your, your time and your career. Um, you know, the internet's got a long way to go. Um, and furthermore, yeah, it's the lifestyle thing. It's a marriage of both. So it, we've been really happy with it. If you try to grow too fast, you're going to run into different problems. But it's not, it's not even that simple. Things change. Your day-to-day life won't be the same with 
a team of seven as it would with a team of 70. Absolutely. Yeah. You, we've covered a ton. Um, my head's a little, it's kind of spinning just thinking about how to, how to summarize it all. But I guess to, to wrap things up, if you were to, to give our listeners a few pieces of advice about, about partnerships, about managing things with travel, whatever, what, what would you say? How would you condense down in your own way some of the lessons you've learned? Yeah, leverage technology whenever possible. Um, don't, don't get too much of it, but find some really key items that, that help your business a lot. Um, and furthermore, you know, sometimes, you know, we all have this concept of wanting to create a market, but just find out where the market is, where people are already spending their money and position yourself right there. Um, so, you know, that's going to take a bit of work knowing exactly uh, what, what your value add is and what your customers really need. But there's always going to be a place where people are going to find help in that. And, and you just want to make sure you're well established in that place. Awesome. That's great advice, especially in people can see how have you've done that yourself. So that's that's really great. Where can where can people learn more about you? Learn more about SoCal. How can they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, always just uh, hop on our website SoCal.com. You can read our blog or just contact us. I mean, we're we're always happy to chat. All right, and just to reiterate, it's s a u c a l dot com. Yeah, absolutely perfect. All right, thanks a ton for coming on, Mitchell. I really appreciate it. We had a great chat. Oh, Andy, you the man. Uh, I mean, I, I want to hear, you know, congrats. I know you've come on to Hubstaff and you're, you're helping it grow and you're taking all these awesome marketing initiatives. So I'm excited to see all these, all these things that you come out with. I, there's going to be a lot of value there and uh, I know I'm going to definitely be consuming it. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely keep you in the loop. Thanks again, Mitchell. Sweet. Cheers, my man. Take care. All right. See ya. Partnerships are something that can work for almost any industry, so I really loved hearing how he finds companies to partner with and then uses that to position himself as an expert and find more clients. Beyond that, though, there was also a ton in there about the importance of project management and having strong processes in place. It did seem a little counterintuitive that taking a vacation could help streamline a business, but it does make sense. In order to keep growing, you need to make sure the business can run efficiently without your constant supervision. And believe me, I know it's scary, but stepping away for a few days is a perfect way to find out where those processes fail. There was lots of great stuff in there, so I hope it was helpful. If you got a lot out of it, please head over to iTunes and write a review so others can hear about the show. And as always, let me know any feedback you have about the show in the comments. Tune in next week for another interview to help you build and grow your agency. Talk to you then.